The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. So for context, we will read, um, as I said, Psalm 3-7 from verse 1 um, up until verse 6. But for all purposes, we'll be spending our time in verse 5 and 6 and make reference throughout read. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and be and, and befriend faithless. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Bonus verse. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Friends, I'm sure you've heard the saying, just as we introduce our theme, how to set up for success. You get that? How to set up for success. I'm sure you've heard the saying, New Year, New Me. Yes? Amen? Did some of you hashtag that? I'm going to see some post edits after the service. Personally, I think it's where we already fail at our goals or life changes. Because really, isn't that what we're here for? The second of where are we? Second of January. We want to talk about New Year's resolutions, and we want to talk about what the number of the year may mean to some. That's the case. Let's talk about where New Year's resolutions come from. New Year's resolutions were first practiced by the ancient Babylonians. This is about three to four thousand years ago. Uh, they were also they were also the first to have these celebrations in honor of a new year. You know the fireworks and all the explosions and the people gathering and in anticipation for the clock to hit zero so that the calendar year would change. The Babylonians were the first uh, to host and have these celebrations. You see the difference however, their new year began in mid-March. So what would happen is this is usually the time they would plant crops. And this would be followed by a massive 12-day festival known as Akitu. And this is where the Babylonians crowned a new king or reaffirmed their loyalty to the reigning king. Now here's where we get to the resolutions. They made these promises to their gods, their pagan gods, to pay their debts and, and to return or, or to trust that anything they had borrowed or 
anything that they had given out would return to them. The belief was, if the Babylonians kept to their word, their pagan gods would bestow favor on them for the coming year. And if they didn't, they would fall outside of the favor of the gods. Now, it was Julius Caesar who established January 1st as the beginning of the new year, roughly 46 BC. Named Janus, the two-faced god whose spirit was believed to inhabit doorposts uh, or door frames and arches. The belief was that Janus symbolically looked backwards into the previous year and also ahead into the future. And so the Romans offered sacrifices to this deity and made promises of good conduct in the coming year. That was the resolutions to be better, to behave, right? The Romans behave, I mean, seriously. Nonetheless, so when we look at that, it's as if the New Year's resolutions sound rather daunting when it comes from such a pagan background. Yet for the early Christians, the first day of the new year became the traditional occasion for thinking about one's past mistakes and resolving to do better in the future. Yet, it was in 1740 when John Wesley created the Covenant Renewal Service, most commonly known as um, Watch Night Services, right? And this was introduced on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And so what they would have at these night watch services would be readings from scriptures and hymn singing which served as a spiritual alternative to the ruckus celebrations that are normally held outside. If not many of you know this, but um, uh, John and, and, um, and his brother, they were hymn writers and preachers. And a lot of those hymns were, melodies were taken from songs that were sung in pubs. Now, just to get back to where we are, despite the traditions, traditions, religious roots connected to New Year's resolutions, when we look at it today, New Year's resolutions are circular. It's really something that the world has taken captive. People, instead of no matter what religious affiliation, instead of making promises to their gods, and in our case, instead of making promises to the Lord, most people make resolutions to themselves. And they focus primarily on self-improvement. This is because New Year's resolutions are usually commitments, and amen if I'm correct, to quit smoking stop drinking, to manage money more wisely, and to spend more time with family. 
The most common New Year's resolution, raise the roof of the church, right? The most common resolution, New Year's resolution, is to lose weight with the resounding amen like that. Most common resolution, everyone just wants to lose weight. In conjunction, however, with exercising more and, you know, eating more healthy. So the vast majority of New Year's resolutions, even among Christians, are concerned with physical things. It's concerned with the material. This should not be the focus, my dear friends. Yes, I understand that many of us make New Year's resolutions to pray more, to read the Bible every day, to attend church more regularly. Amen. Which are fantastic goals. But these New Year's resolutions fail just like the non-spiritual resolutions. You want to know why? There's no power in New Year's resolutions. There's no power in an idea that we want to hold to. Resolving to start or stop doing a certain activity has no value unless we have the proper motivation. I ask this question as an example. Why do you want to read the Bible every day? I'll give you an option, right? Perhaps it is to honor God and grow spiritually, or it's because you heard it's a good thing to do. Why is it that you want to pray more regularly? Why is it you want to attend church more regularly? You see, if God is at the center of one's, and trust me, we're not just going to talk about New Year's resolutions, we're not here for that. But if God is not at the center of your New Year's resolution, then there's no chance for success. If you have any hope of succeeding, God has to be at the center. That's not the only thing though. It also depends on your commitment. See, if it's God's will for something to be fulfilled, then He will enable us to fulfill it. If a resolution is not God-honoring or in agreement with God's will, guess what? God's not going to help us fulfill those resolutions because we are outside of His will. And Scripture tells us if we walk outside the will of God, we're walking in sin. Therefore, this morning, my dear friends, as we've read Psalm 37, we can learn more about how to set up for success. Now, this is not a feel-good message, trust me. I'm not very great at topical sermons either. We're going to expound the text. Alright? And see what the text tells us about us and the Lord in pursuing our goals, pursuing our desires. And so our passage presents us with two ways we can be successful. Firstly, it's to commit to the Lord 
And secondly, it is to trust in the Lord. Verse 5 says this, Commit your way to the Lord. And this morning we sung the hymn, All my ways are known to you. Did we sing it because it's a great catchy song? Or because we believe that is the truth about who God is and about who we are in Him? You see, coming to the first point, committing to the Lord, this is what we need to know. When we trust God, when we remain confident that following Him will lead us to satisfying Him, isn't that what makes us successful? You see, we want to measure success by what we achieve in a material way. Yet, we can achieve much in the physical and be in complete dishonor of God. Is that success? By no means. Listen, what we need to understand about the material, about the physical, is that it will pass away. Especially in the New Testament, we learn more and more about doing that which honors God because it is that which will remain. And it's talking about eternity. The good works we do in Christ, those are eternal rewards. They might not seem like much of a success to those in the world, but we don't live to serve and please the world. We live to serve and please and honor God. Now, David says this in verse 3 and 4. He says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. He goes on to say, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. See, David gives us an example of living securely and being blessed with our heart's desires in the Lord. Don't miss that. He's saying in the Lord. So again, when we trust God, we believe His promises before seeing them fulfilled. A lot of people ask, how were the Old Testament saints saved? They believed God's promise before seeing it. What was God's promise? Genesis 3.15 And the prophets expounded on that promise. That a Savior is coming to, to not just rule, but to save. So they looked at His Word and hang on His Word without seeing it fulfilled. That's what Hebrews talks about when it says we have a great cloud of witnesses. So, it makes sense considering that God's promises are not always immediate. Some had to wait 40 years. Sometimes it comes more quickly and it's satisfying when God's promise is quick and sure. The problem is we live in so much comfort that when we pray, we want the Lord to answer us now. 
We want Him to bring blessing now. So, this is why David mentions, don't look at evildoers, don't fret, don't look at them in their prosperity and think, you're not successful. Don't look at the evildoers. Don't desire what they desire. Don't pursue what they pursue. This is why David purposefully says, do not imitate them. And yes, verse 7 says this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Is that easy? Let's be real. We're tempted. We're tempted to not trust Him. We're tempted to respond in unfaithfulness. That's why David says, do not imitate them. Because of that, it's difficult to remain patient, to wait upon the Lord at times. We can follow the evildoers and enjoy momentary, momentary success, even in high social standing. But what does that give us? A temporary feel-good moment. And it passes. And so we'll want the next thing. Spurgeon put it this way. Give it over into God's hands. And then confine in Him as completely as little children confine in their mother. Give it up to Him to rule it. And to guide you and lead you in every step. Put the rudder of your ship in the hand of the Almighty Pilot. Leave the guidance of your pilgrimage to Him who has led many caravans across the desert and who has never suffered any to perish. What an easy way this is and yet how hard do we find it to carry it out? It is to unload ourselves and put our burden on our God. Oh, that we had the sanctified common sense to make us fulfill this duty. Friends, Spurgeon is saying what David says. Trust or, or commit your way to the Lord. Give it up to the Lord. Jesus says, bring your burdens. But we, like babies, right? Reach out and grab and we hang on. That's true. If we are willing to give our will and our desires over to the desires and the will of God, then surely we will experience success. Again, this is not a material message, friends. To be successful in the Lord is to enjoy His peace. It is to enjoy His love. But we know that God is also faithful and true to bless us with material success. We don't take that away at all. It's God's hand that enables us to succeed in our careers, as parents, wherever, whichever. God has given us faithfully the abilities, the minds, 
the various characteristics to pursue and persist. Even for the unbeliever. He said, but look at how the unbeliever prospers. David says, don't imitate the evil doer. It's common grace how God has set it up. If we are outside of God's will, then we are not committing to Him. We're not committing ourselves. We're not committing our desires, our resolutions. Therefore, Proverbs 16, verse 9. If you, if you are one of those folks, you know, you want a verse for the year, you know, kind of like a reverse for the season. This is your verse, alright? Proverbs 16, verse 9. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The Lord establishes his steps. What does this text say? I'm not up here this morning to tell you, don't plan, don't have desires, don't pursue certain goals. Scripture says, a man is to plan his way. But God has the final say. If you want to back that up, Proverbs 16.1. Add that to the verse of the year. God has the final say. And we should thank the Lord that He has the final say. Because man, how often would we mess it up if He didn't? So maybe to help us be committed or be established in the Lord, we could refer to three steps to commit ourselves. Alright? It's very practical. This is very spiritual. <laughs> the first step is this. Scripture says... Pray without ceasing. You want to be successful? Friends, commit your way to the Lord. What better way to commit ourselves than in prayer? Paul commands us, pray constantly, giving thanks in everything, as this is God's will in Christ Jesus. That's 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 through 18. It tells us that a daily relationship with God involves communicating with Him. And prayer should be an everyday occurrence. I love to go ahead and say prayer is a continual occurrence. We need to be praying throughout the day. It's not as if when we go down in the morning to pray, you know, God goes away for the rest of the day and we can't pray. Communion in relationship means to be constantly communicating. Number two, study His Word. And what better way to commit to God than to study God? Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I think that should be the foundation for New Year's resolutions, right? Before you make any plans, go to this text. Our treasure should be God's word. 
Now, let me plan. Because I don't want to be outside of His, out of, out of his will. See, God's Word tells us to be immersed if we want, don't want to sin against Him, if we want to be ready to commit to Him. And if we are familiar with God's Word, we are able to apply His truths to our lives and to those around us. Understanding what God desires of us is the only way to live a life that's pleasing to His will. And the more we read, the more we learn, which draws us to a place where we are so inclined to sin less. And that's because of our growing relationship with God. Our desire is to be more like Him. And therefore, we plan our day, we plan our week, our, our month, our year, we plan our lives having this purpose in mind. Again, that doesn't take away from any earthly success or pursuing such desires, unless it's outside of God's will. How do you know if something's outside of God's will? When it contradicts His word, alright? Let's continue. Number three. Want to be successful in committing your way to the Lord? Be in fellowship. I've said this in the past so many times. There is no such thing as a lone Christian. It's unbiblical. Be in fellowship. Proverbs 27.17 Very easy verse to kind of reference to remember. 27.17 Iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. Just as iron sharpens iron, so too we as believers ought to be sharpening each other. You see, the more we know of God for ourselves, the better we will be able to help others know God and grow in His Word. Sharpening other people involves reminding them of God's Word, encouraging them, showing them love. I mean, this is Colossians 3, 15 through 17. This is how we not only sharpen others, but this is how we are sharpened. This is how we commit our way to the Lord. So if you want to be successful in your plans and your resolutions and your and, 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 and. Commit your way to the Lord. Friends, He's your first love. Therefore, He should receive most of your time. Most of your attention. That means everything you do is meant to glorify God. Meaning, if we don't do that, we're not going to have plans that lead in success. And when we can start shaping our lives around this truth, that everything we do brings God glory, then committing to the Lord will become natural. It'll become purposeful. Are you with me? It's not a, a duty. 
not a legalistic work. It's something that should come natural in this relationship. I mean, if I ask you where you spend most of your money, doesn't that kind of say what your heart worships? Or, you know, where do you spend most of your time at work? That doesn't mean you worship work, right? But at work, how much time do you spend with the Lord? No, but you don't understand. No, no, I'm not criticizing. I'm asking. Our relationship with the Lord, yes, is serious. When I, so I don't mean this loosely when I say it should be casual. Casual in that at any moment of the day, I can be conversing with my God, calling upon Him, praising Him, giving thanks. Silly example, when I go looking for something important and I just cannot find it, man, I start praying, Lord, just open my eyes, I'm blind. You find it, you go, praise you, Lord. Hopefully no one in church sees me do that. Praise which brings us to point number two. Trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. Verse 5 again onwards. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Trust in the Lord. See, we need to trust God to work His perfect will in and through our lives. That's success. We don't trust God by trying to live a good life or by trusting in our own abilities. Listen, you don't win God's favor when you try and do good things outside of Him. It doesn't work that way. So, how do we trust in the Lord? We do this by taking God at His word. Remember that Bible study we did? Taking God at His word. Take Him at His word. Because that's what it means to really believe Him. To believe all that He tells us. Take Him at His word. Is He unfaithful to His word? Is He unfaithful to His promises? Does He contradict His word? Does He contradict His promises? Take God at His word. That's what it means to trust Him. If Christians really want to commit all their ways to the Lord and really trust God in all things and believe all things, then we need to trust that everything in His Word is fact. Shouldn't waver on it. If only believers would stop fretting about the difficulties and the evils in life and truly believe in God by trusting his word my dear friends then resting in his promises and committing everything into his hands becomes again natural and purposeful we want to be so focused just on all the damage around us all the broken around us listen newsflash it is a broken, fallen world. So, these things shouldn't amaze us. What should amaze us that is this, that in a broken, fallen world, 
God is good and gracious. Working in and through His people. Faithfully holding to His word. Therefore the trusting believer places his burdens onto the Lord. That's Matthew eleven twenty eight. He trusts the Lord to take care of situations that he can't handle. And so if we trust the Lord to handle our burdens for us, then we will not be like verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious.
put it this way. God is faithful to bring forth our righteousness. See, when we're committed to Him, He shapes us. He grows us in our righteousness. That's what it means to work out your salvation. Paul explained that a person who is walking in the Spirit of God will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in his life. And so God will accomplish His work in our lives. He will transform us by the renewing of our minds if we simply be committed to Him doing exactly that. So friends, Colossians 3 verse, first verse 1 through 4 Paul reminds us to set our minds on the things that are above. And when we do that, we are filled with His Spirit. Or walking in His Spirit. And He is faithful to bear fruit in us. So when we commit our way to the Lord and trust in Him, He will make sure that our way is faithful. I'm going to say that again because that is the heartbeat of this morning's message. Alright, let me repeat it. When we commit our way to the Lord and trust in Him, He will make sure that our way is fruitful. In other words, successful. You want to experience success in your walk with God, in your relationships in the church, in family. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in Him. And He will bring it to it. That is just so comforting, man. It's not that I leave this place this morning thinking, man, I've got to set up my plans and, and strive and work. It says commit to God. Commit to Him. Be faithful to Him. So don't cast away what you're meant to be faithful in. Where you are already serving. Where you are already involved. Commit to the Lord and trust in Him. Friends, as a young church, we want to grow. And we want to see God's people grow in His Word as well. But how are we going to do that when we in our hearts and minds do not rely on Him? Do not commit to Him. Do not trust in Him. But when we commit to Him and trust in Him, we will be faithful to Him. Right? And in return, if we want to be faithful to God, we need to be faithful to what He has said. Friends, let us not shy away from what God has commanded us to do as believers, just as believers. Let us serve His bride. Let us love His bride. Listen, we address the elephant in the room. And that's the year's resolutions. We've spoken about it. It's funny and it's good and all these things are sure. But it leads me to ask, what sort of New Year's resolutions should a Christian make? Now, regardless of what we want to pursue and change, I said it in the beginning, if God is not at the heart then nothing will change. If 
God is not at the center, we won't succeed. Let me suggest the following. Pursue this. Start by praying for wisdom. Right? Let's be successful. A lot of us would say, pray more. Pray more for wisdom. Keyword there. James 1.5 Pray for wisdom regarding what desires we ought to pursue, what goals we ought to pursue. Number two. Again, pray for wisdom as to how to fulfill those goals and desires. I challenge you really, make commitments to how you will better serve the bride. How you will better serve your families, the community, your workplace, as believers. Number three, rely on God's strength to help you bring about change. Rely on God's strength. Right? If we want to become more like Him, obviously we need to be in Him. Find someone in the church who will help you and encourage you to change or pursue. Right? You want to be serious? Iron sharpens iron. Amen? Find a piece of iron. Number five. Don't become discouraged with failure. When I say failures, it's really when things don't work out how we want it, isn't it? Don't become discouraged with failures. Or I could put it this way. Don't be disheartened when your will and God's will are one Finally, and this one should pierce us. Do not become proud or vain, but give God the glory in all things as He governs our steps. Pursue, pursue this. Not to be proud or vain, but to give God in glory in all things. That's how we set up for success. You want to experience a, a form of prosperity? Commit to God. Trust in Him. Lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that your word addresses every scope of life. We're so thankful that as we read in Paul's letter, that your word is, is for correction and righteousness. Again, your word also reveals your will. Your will for us, your will for creation, your will for glory. So I pray that you would help us to be faithful. To be faithful with where you have placed us, to faithfully love those who you have put around us. Most importantly, to be willing to lay down our hardness of heart.
heart, our hardness in wanting things done our way and wanting our will achieved as we trust that your will be done. Lord, I pray that you'd help us repent when we go a way that is different. And help us to rejoice and give thanks when you bring across our path a season of, of prosperity uh, and reward and to always stand in the peace and hope that you have promised us. Christ, we pray this in your name.